Welcome to the Independent Oxford podcast sponsored by Story94. I'm Rosie, and along with my indie partner Anna, we run Independent Oxford, which is a community that supports and champions independent businesses in Oxfordshire. In this series, I'll be guiding you through some of Oxfordshire's best indie journeys and adventures, and I hope you'll join me for the ride. Hi, welcome to the Independent Oxford podcast. I'm Rosie and today I'm joined by Emily from Hoyles of Oxford on the High Street. Hi, Emily. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, good. How are you? Yeah, very well. Very well. Good, good. Um, So yeah, let's get stuck in. Tell us about Hoyles and how it all began. Quite a few years ago now. (laughs) Yeah, quite a few years ago now. Uh, So I think, I want to say 25 years ago. I should have checked exactly, but I was inevitably not in the business at the time. Uh, So dad actually started out, sorry, I should first say, so it's dad and my business now. I've kind of encroached by stealth on the business in the last couple of years. So now a co-owner, which is very exciting. Uh, But he started off just by, I say just, uh, more in the production and the manufacturing, kind of selling at wholesale of ornamental chess sets. 25 years ago and that then became selling those ornamental chess sets in retail and then the range increased to chess boards and more chess sets and then Staunton style and then backgammon and so on and so on and so on and now what it is today is essentially all traditional and I say modern board games all the traditional board games certainly lots of modern ones not all of them that's definitely more of a thirsty meeples vibe who were brilliant we definitely couldn't fit all of those in but we're kind of a a bit of everything i guess now so it's you know jigsaws puzzles traditional games modern games playing cards vintage stuff uh so yeah a little bit of everything now um yeah so when did he take on on the shop so was he he doing wholesale before i Mm. So he started off doing wholesale in Banbury, actually, I think, and then moved to next door. So he was originally at 72 High Street in a much smaller premises. And then I want to say maybe 10 years ago, let's say 10 years ago, uh, moved into the site that he is that we're in now, which is 71 High Street, which is a lot bigger. Um, so it just allows us to have far more stock and also a greater range because we have a far bigger stock room. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it makes a lot more things possible than they were originally. So it was it was the Oxford Holographics yeah. shop, yeah, yeah, which I have vivid memories of when I was little, going in and be like, "This is the coolest thing." <laughs> yeah, Anna and I were, were just talking about this how when we were like teenagers and yeah, yeah like that, those first trips into town, you'd be like, Go down to yeah, holographics. but yeah, so it's down it's down that end of the high street. That's where you can find yeah. oils now. Yeah, exactly. So just after, if you're coming into town from Magdalen. Um, after the bridge, after Magdalen, where the traffic lights are essentially, so next to like Pens Plus as well. So when did you get involved and, and why, did, why did you want to get involved? Why did I get involved? So it was maybe three years ago and it was because, so I had just finished working for a lovely company called Escape the City, um, who are a brilliant, well, when I worked for them, it was mainly a, a job sport of really interesting kind of uh, roles that were outside the city, so not corporate jobs, basically, and they were relocating to Brighton. So I helped them with the relocation and then didn't want to move to Brighton. So I was like, well, what to do? And at the same time, dad was saying he needed a new website. And I very naively backed myself, being like, my God, how hard can it be? Uh, so... Yes. So I decided I was going to come in and make the website, which is easier said than done when you have, I think, like 2,500 SKUs. You don't have a single product list. You don't have product descriptions. You don't have product imagery. Everything's on paper. Like it was a nightmare. Um, I mean, not a nightmare. It was a challenge. Let's reframe that. It was a challenge. Um, 
and it was a really nice challenge. Like it was really lovely working with dad. Um, but so then project creep just kind of set in and then I never left. So the website is still a work in progress because there are still things we don't have product descriptions for because inevitably as I was doing the website, other things would come in and you'd end up, I don't know, repainting the shop front and finding new suppliers and streamlining the product range and all these little things that just started happening that were great and, you know, starting to sell with Truva. So like other third party platforms and what happens with those, it turns out that's a nightmare um, when it comes to the logistics of setting that up. Again, something I had not thought about, but because all of these things happened at the same time, the website just took kind of longer and longer. So although we, thank goodness, had all of the core range of, you know, chess sets, backgammon, mahjong, go, that kind of thing set up, there's still lots of the smaller say card games that aren't on there yet um and then inevitably the pandemic happened and then everything just kind of hit the brakes for a while um but yeah I've just never left it's just been so lovely to work with him um I feel very lucky to be able to work with my dad and be able to spend that much time with him so has he got quite an, an eye for products is that his is that his skill set that he's kind of finding stuff whether it's vintage stuff or the vintage stuff definitely I have to oh actually I know what dad's dad's like most impressive skill is being able to to appreciate and date vintage games for example uh oh, what was the game so there's a really popular vintage game called Escalado which is like a horse racing game and oh, now I can't remember what year it was in a particular year the queen Let's think about this. The queen's father died, right? So the so his so the oh, queen's so like mother became the queen mother, right? Because previously she wouldn't have been the queen mother; she'd have been the princess's mother. So in the year that the queen mother became the queen mother, the stamp on this game changed to account for that. And then I think two years previously or something, the cover changed. So dad's able to be like, right, okay, well then that means that that game that we've just bought in was made in that particular year because it's this board and it's this stamp which means it must be in this year. And he does that kind of thing with like every game under the sun. He's similarly good at Monopoly. There's so many vintage versions of Monopoly. And it's just something that I just haven't got a clue about. Um, likewise, vintage chess sets. So a little fact for you. So you know the, the, the style that everyone plays with today, which is the Staunton style, right? Hopefully. I did not know that. Oh, there but, you are. But uh, good fact. Uh, yeah, good fact. So the style that everyone plays with now, the style that you see in the Queen's Gambit is the Staunton style. Strictly speaking, the style that you see in the Queen's Gambit is the Russian Staunton, where you have this kind of two-tone situation going on. Anyway, broadly a Staunton style, but before Staunton was the standard style of chess pieces, you have all of these other styles, like the St. George style that looks like little... I always think it looks like a topiary, like little hedges, because of the way it's carved. Anyway, lots of different styles. Nothing was standardized. Um, and, and dad's similarly very good at being able to date it based on like what the night looks like, or I don't know what wood it was made out of, or all these kinds of things, which I just cannot do. Um, whereas like you were suggesting, actually the bit that I like is choosing the products. So increasingly now I'm really trying to find suppliers that are sustainable. So for example, we've just found a really lovely, um, supplier of baskets for go stones. So when you play go, you put your stones in specifically kind of shaped bowls uh, and previously we've had plastic ones which hurts my soul <laughs> and I've just found someone who does the loveliest bowls they're all handmade by some kind of women's collective um, I can't remember for the life of me where but I'm really excited about things like that because the dream situation is that we can gradually turn into like the anti-Hamleys where everything is non-plastic everything is sustainable they're all lovely games like that will be the dream so he's a real yeah. like games detective <laughs> 
Yes, essentially, yes. <laughs> I've really been trying to learn from him and te- have him teach me his his tricks, but hasn't haven't quite got there yet. Like, I'm down on some of the vintage chess set details, but the board games still kind of elude me. But, yeah. So he still enjoys being part of the business and being in the shop. Yeah, which is really lovely. Uh, yeah, he definitely, um, the vintage side of things is definitely more his interest and likewise the traditional games, much more so than the modern board games. Um, but over lockdown, um, I can't remember which lockdown, but there was a lockdown where we were all together. Um, and and on a weekly basis, I would make him play a particular board game, like a classic like Catan or Carcassonne or whatever, like Risk, Stratego, that kind of thing. So it turns out Stratego, he's great. Carcassonne is absolutely useless, but I still feel like, no, this is appropriate. You should know how to play your games. Um, so yeah, br- we're gradually bringing him into the other side of the shop. Oh, great. Yeah, which is nice. <laughs> yeah. So talking about sustainability yeah. um, and that kind of bringing kind of the business world and sustainability together, has that influenced you coming back into the business, kind of looking at the like kind of social impact, environment, environmental impact of businesses? Yeah, I mean, I've, I was definitely, I'd say maybe a year or two in, I think I realistically realized that I wasn't going anywhere. And this was very much a long term, like, how can I help dad with the business? How can we grow it to wherever it is that he wants it to go? Um, and then I think maybe in the last year or so, I've suddenly thought, actually, there are all these lovely things I'd really like us to incorporate into this business. So regardless of whether, I don't know, we ended up doing a kind of board game cafe style aspects to the business or whether we end up staying just as retail or we end up going more online or whatever I was like regardless of any of those things I would love sustainability to be at the heart of it somehow that is incredibly hard when you're buying games from massive producers who sell globally and who aren't going to be particularly inclined to suddenly go plastic free just because some tiny retailer in Oxford's like hey (laughs) um that said I feel like it's always worth trying so I actually emailed the other day um fantasy flight games should you ever listen to this um you need to rethink your plastic packaging (laughs) they have a really great game called citadels and they have it already shrink wrapped right it's a small game it's shrink wrapped which they already don't need to do, but anyway. And then they put it in another plastic case, which is totally redundant and is for the sole purpose of being able to hang it because it has a little hole in. Totally useless. And I really don't like how it looks. So we take the plastic off anyway so it can sit on the shelf. And it just hurts my soul that they do that. So yeah, so we wrote to them saying, why do you do this? Inevitably, they have not got back to me. Rude. Um, But I feel like with those kinds of things, I feel better if I at least write to them, say, why have you done this? Is this something that you can reconsider? Because I feel like so often the reason that change doesn't happen is because everyone thinks, well, I can't do anything. So I'm like, well, (laughs) I'll just throw it out there into the world and see what happens. Um, Yeah. So it's really hard with the modern stuff. With the more traditional stuff, it's a little bit better because you can be a bit choosier about, I don't know, the wood that they're sourcing and where they're sourcing it from. Even with that though, actually, so it's still tricky because some of the places that we get our chessboards from, they're tiny companies that, you know, make these beautiful things, but their English is not the best in some cases. <laughs> so it makes it quite hard to have those kinds of conversation about things like, you know, what are your sustainability practices and where do you get your wood from and what do you do with the excess and why have you wrapped this in, um, what's it called, poly... Those those white balls, that stick to, yeah. Mm. There we go. That kind of thing. And I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Um, so, I mean, that said, there's always things that we can do. So we save all of that packaging. We just bought a shredder, 
in lockdown, which makes me unbelievably happy. I think I showed you actually um, when you came and things like that. I'm like, if we can reuse all of our packaging so we can do what we can, um, even as far as like, I don't know, all of the kind of the paper that we use, I've suddenly, I've just done, we've just signed up to a company called Good Club, I think, who um, are like a, I mean, they're like Tesco, but everything's zero waste. So, um, so all of our like, what's it called? Like kitchen roll, all of our tissues, all of our soap and hand wash and all that kind of thing. I'm like, right, well, we might as well do these little things because they are little things, but you know, it's got to start somewhere. Um, so yeah, a little bit at a time. So do you feel that coming back into the business has really kind of ignited your passion for business? Yeah, and definitely dad's actually, which has been lovely. Like I remember when I, when I started with him, um, on the website and he just kind of got into a habit of doing things the way they've always been done in terms of product range, in terms of, I don't know, just business practices. And I came in like this kind of wrecking ball and I'm like, and we can do this and we can do this and this should change. Um, uh, so yeah, so that so it was really nice seeing him get excited again about the things that we could be doing, and then I think it's just been a nice positive like self reinforcing loop between the two of us. So um, so yeah, I find it really exciting. Like we've we've done astonishingly well, and that's obviously relative, but like far better than I could have expected that we would do in the lockdown. Partly because of the website, which I will take, but partly because actually you know people want to buy board games and they want to get away from the screens and all of these things that have made us incredibly lucky to be selling the things that we are in a lockdown. Um, but I feel really proud of the fact that us having done so well, a lot of that couldn't have happened if we hadn't taking the steps that we did before the lockdown and were proactive about making things better. So even as simple as doing a stock take, you know, when you're only selling in a single store to a certain extent, if you're a family business, there's not as much need to do a stock take because why does it matter? You know that you haven't stolen anything. You know that your dad hasn't stolen anything. So you know that maybe some unscrupulous people might every now and again, but you know, it's just one of those things. Whereas now that we're selling not only uh, in the shop, on Shopify through our own website, but also through True for a third-party platform, it makes it that much more important because stock errors are firstly really annoying, but they also take that much time to then correct and it just doesn't look good. Um, so things like that that we did during the first lockdown like were so invaluable and I'm really pleased that we did. And it was it's that kind of, like those proactive business steps that I think we've been doing more and more of that I'm really pleased with. And your dad's been quite like open to yeah, change. Great. You haven't been kind of up yeah. against a brick wall. Yeah. So I've discovered that the way to go about things with dad, I hope he doesn't listen to this because then he'll know my secret. But <laughs> um, you have to like put an idea out there. He'll like ruminate on it for a bit and like, mm, I don't know how I feel about that. And then just put it in again to the, another conversation in a few days time. And then maybe in the next week or so, maybe a couple of weeks from there. But gradually, if you've said it enough times, I don't know if it's him just giving up or acquiescing or if he has decided it's now a good idea. Either way, for most things, um, he'll eventually agree to them. Obviously, within reason, there are some things where I've been like, how about this? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like, okay, cool, fine. <laughs> um, but for the most part, it's been really nice because he hasn't been a brick wall about things. He's been really lovely to discuss ideas with. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, it sounds like kind of agile project management. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been so lovely. It's been, and I feel like similarly very fortunate to be working with not only my dad, which is lovely, as I've said, but to be working with someone who is very open to trying out new things. Uh, what have been the most popular games during lockdown? What have you okay. what have you sold a lot of over the last year? Chess sets. So Queen's Gambit at Christmas was 
just insane. Um, we sold out maybe twice of like all of our chest stock and ended up having to just buy in anything we could get our hands on. Um, so that was mad. Uh, I mean, brilliant. It was really lovely that the game was getting more, not recognition, but I guess just that it was coming back into people's minds as a nice thing to do rather than as like a fuddy-duddy thing that you learn at school and then no one does anymore. Um, so that was lovely. So chess was a massive thing. Um, at Christmas, you always get lovely people buying beautiful kind of mahjong sets and go sets and things like that for family members. But in terms of, of other stuff that was not the same as every year, uh, jigs- I mean, jigsaws are good every year, but jigsaws this year just broadly, not just at Christmas, Christmas have been amazing, especially in the first lockdowns, especially when people were by themselves. Uh, and isolating um so jigsaws did really well and then actually also lots of games for two people so clearly lots of couples were isolating and what things to do so things like um seven wonders duet is a great one um i really like stratego but i know that that's a bit old school basically any two player games any and all two player games were going off the shelves because actually most people weren't in a position where they were buying for families I mean I know that lots of because actually lots of families already have games and I think also this is obviously not speaking to someone that's in a family but from friends who have children actually a lot of the focus seemed to be on the homeschooling side of things um so we had fewer families buying games and more couples buying games um yeah it's been really interesting actually seeing I mean it's been so unpredictable but it's been really interesting seeing how buying patterns and uh, the games in particular that people have chosen has changed over the last year. It just makes it very hard to predict what on earth is going to happen this year. Like the thought of Christmas this year slightly terrifies me because <laughs> I feel like on the one hand, it could be amazing and a repeat of last year, which was our best ever Christmas by a long way. Um, but then also, you know, we could all be locked down again, you know, touch wood not, but, or actually maybe for some reason people have decided they're all going to go out and they're not going to play games or whatever, all these different things. So I have no idea how to predict for, for this Christmas, but, but it has been really interesting just seeing what's happened. Mm, yeah. I think a lot of our friends have bought two player yeah. games. I know Wingspan has been a big, yeah. big thing in our, yeah. in our household because I mean, it's great for two players, but you can also play with more now yeah. that we can see people again. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely been a big year for for games. I think I can see that in you know lots of people's households. Yeah, it's been amazing, and it's been so nice as well. Similar to chess, actually, seeing friends of mine who wouldn't normally play board games get back into board games and in, and enjoy doing it, and seeing why people like doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and all of like the the stuff around it as well. Like, I just feel like there's so many Etsy sellers that are kind of making things to go with the games to like you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah what did I see for wingspan the other day I'm sure I saw some like nest situation there's like oh there's so many like all the little birds that you can buy as like proper like a little um MDF pieces that are painted beautifully and yeah there's and and all the card holders that you can buy yeah Yeah, it's crazy it's so impressive that people have been like right I'm gonna make this thing yeah well done you it's like a whole (laughs) world (laughs) it's a whole world it's amazing so how have you found Oxford during, I mean, you know, obviously last year it went completely dead. Yeah. How have you found it kind of opening up this year and um, how has it been so far this summer? Yeah, I actually controversially really liked it when it was quiet, not from a professional perspective, from a business perspective, it was terrible, but from a personal perspective, it was so lovely for a while, at least just being able to enjoy Oxford and how beautiful it is, which is obviously a very privileged position. Um, yeah, so that was 
interesting. I think for quite a few weeks, I just wandered around kind of over lunchtime, just taking photos um, of how lovely everything was. Uh, but it, I mean, it was very strange. Um, so it's nice having people back. Uh, it's just, again, strange for other reasons. It's strange not being able to predict who's going, how many people are going to come in, when they're going to come in. We've actually found that there's been occasions where we won't sell anything all morning until about two and be like, oh, oh God. Right? Um, and then suddenly the world comes in and I don't know what they've been doing. I suspect they might have been at the Westgate, but it's just been the strangest thing, just the pattern of behavior that we've seen um, as people have come back. Um, some days it's been quite frustrating, not a lot, thankfully, but where people have been coming in to enjoy quite reasonably things like the botanic gardens and and do more of the kind of the, the sightseeing touristy stuff and less shopping um thankfully that hasn't happened too much but especially when it's been really lovely weather i think that's perhaps also part of it is that during the day actually people want to be enjoying the sun um yeah it's been very strange uh, but it's nice seeing everything open up again it's lovely seeing people come back in and having real life customers um the first ones that we had actually I remember when we reopened it was just surreal having people kind of in the space where no one had been for what a year or something well months um yeah odd experience having everyone come back in and how have you found kind of collaborating working with other businesses on the high street is there a nice community yeah so we have uh, certainly, I mean, not the same as independent Oxford by any means, but we have a kind of a little association of high street businesses, more from the perspective of the kind of the, the practical behind the scenes stuff in terms of, I don't know, decisions that the city council have made and county council have made and the idiotic cycle lanes that are on Magdalen Bridge, for example, um, to just, you know, pluck an example out of the air. Um, and that's been really lovely. Um, and a lot of the, that through the lockdown has just been it's been really lovely to have chats with them just about how they're doing things like have they been able to get the grants that have been made available have they been able to use the kickstart scheme i mean the kickstart scheme has been incredible well done rishi <laughs> like that's just been glorious but being able to talk about those things with other local businesses like paul at pens plus next door it's been lovely to be able to kind of bounce ideas off him and chat to him about how he's finding things um so yeah it's been it's been really nice to have a, a network of local businesses to to talk to when things have been tough and how, how do you find the kind of broader business landscape in Oxfordshire? Do you find that it's quite inspiring, that there's help out there for you? Help help in terms of what? As in from other businesses? Support, yeah. Uh, generally, in, in an informal way, absolutely. So similarly within, not similarly, in the same way within the High Street Association, we, as part of the Buskets debacle, um, was it last summer? The summer before? I've like lost all track of time. Um, so when that happened, we made a point of going around and essentially introducing ourselves to more businesses that we hadn't met yet, including in the covered market. And one of the lovely things has been getting to know covered market businesses as well as high street businesses, because it's all really the same thing. It's just that they're all within a particular part of the high street. Um, but so like getting to know, like the soap company has been lovely. Oxford Soap Company, who, I mean, are just amazing. Like, should anyone want to go zero waste? Their shampoo and soon to be conditioner bars are amazing. Um, them like wicked chocolates, like the garden, I just, it's the loveliest place in the world. Um, there's so many lovely businesses in there. It's been really nice getting to know them um, and, and having, it sounds like a strange thing to say, having a reason to, like I'm relatively shy when it comes to introducing myself to people unless there's a reason if there's some reason why I'm introducing myself to them then it's suddenly so much easier so it's really nice having that 
thing that suddenly brought everyone together. Um, and I think just generally going forward, people are a lot more, not not that they weren't community minded in the first place, but I think people are more and more seeing the value in that in communities. So whether it is a local business network or whatever else, I think people suddenly, it's nice to have those people around you to talk to about whatever it is that you're going through. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's definitely been a silver lining of the yeah. pandemic. It's just yeah. the highlighting the importance of community and bringing people together yeah. as you say kind of you know it's that that common thing that we're all kind of struggling with and grappling with and and trying to find a route out of um so yeah it's it's um it's definitely been something that's that's brought businesses together over the last year yeah um so that's obviously a, a good um kind of benefit of running your own business is is that you're able to kind of build these these valuable relationships and learn about these other businesses yeah. um what would you say are the other kind of highlights of of being an indie business owner? um I really like not having a boss in the traditional sense I know that sounds such a basic thing to say but I really love being able to be really agile with the like you said like with the decisions that we make um about the business I love not having to go through x many channels you know check that it'll work with the finance team check that it'll work with your manager who's then got to check with their manager and so on and so on I love being able to just say how do you feel about us trying this and get the say so in what 10 minutes um that's lovely um I also really like the fact that we're building something in a way that matters to me it's not just working for a kind of a gray corporate and obviously I know that lots of people in their minds don't work for a gray corporate there's you know a there's a raison d'etre behind whatever the companies that they're working for but certainly a lot of my friends work for businesses that they perhaps don't seem thrilled by. And I love the fact that that's not the case for me. I love the fact that I really care about how well Hoyles does and how it grows and where we can go with it. I really like having that that purpose when I get up. It certainly makes it a lot easier when like it's grey outside and you don't really want to. And you're like, oh, no, no, <laughs> like this has to happen. Even if I'm in a bit of a grump, like there's a reason why I'm doing this. Yeah, I think that that's that is. I hear that from so many businesses. It's such a, um, a, a yeah, a force for force for good as well because you know it's it's iterative and it creates change. And you know, as you were saying before, it's you know it's putting those things out into the world. You don't yeah. know until you put them out there to see whether you can change something, whether you can you know potentially make an entire games company more sustainable. Yeah, he's hoping. <laughs> yeah, which would just be lovely. I've had so many ideas, including but not limited to. Um, I would love to work with, um, find someone that can do some screen printing, so we can use you know sustainable dyes, do it maybe onto repurposed fabrics. So we at the moment sell roll up chessboards, um, but I but it's just you know fresh vinyl that has been printed onto, and I really don't see any reason why it couldn't be you know offcuts of really nice leathers that have been used for whatever or denims or whatever the thing is or even doing it onto canvas bags so you have to buy the bags anyway right because you're buying other stuff but if that bag can then be repurposed and made into a chessboard or a backgammon board or whatever then awesome and I've just found a button company who might make us some uh, drafts which should be lovely um, that are similarly recycled I want to say recycled acrylic possibly don't quote me something recycled <laughs> but things like that that are just really exciting because they're such easy wins um yeah that I just think well why not us Ooh. family's not going to do it yeah screw them I'll do it <laughs> great so screen printers yeah Get any screen printers out there <laughs> yeah 
Brilliant. Um, so you mentioned a few um, indies that you've come across in the last year and, and really love in the cover market. Yeah. Um, what are your other kind of top tips for, for indies in Oxfordshire that you Ooh. that you love to support? If you were doing a tour in Oxfordshire, you're like, oh, where do I need to go to? Go to maybe the Missing Bean for your morning coffee. Great. Then go to the Alpha Bar in the Covered Market for lunch. Amazing salads. Um, who also actually, I hadn't realised until it came up on my card telling me where I'd just paid money to, that it's the same company as the Vaults. That passed me by. Uh, but that food is amazing. Um, maybe a Ben's cookie at some point. I know that strictly speaking, it's probably not an independent, but they're just sensational. And then afternoon coffee at Jericho Coffee Traders, when you're on your way to us, obviously, and probably come via Sanders of Oxford. I love just going into that shop and just going through the prints of Oxford and the county. And they've got some lovely like flower prints and just everything in there is just amazing. It's just so lovely. Um, I've no doubt forgotten somewhere that was on my list of places to mention. Oh, objects of use. I've spent far too much money in there the other day on birthday presents, both for myself and for my boyfriend. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's got to be on the list. Oh, there's just so many. It's been really lovely to see that actually not that many have 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 gone under in the pandemic. I was really worried that, you know, the high street and covered market would be decimated. And I know that a few places have gone and it's really sad, but I've been really gladdened by how many have managed to stay afloat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And actually I think it's, you know, it's the bigger, bigger chains that have suffered um through through the pandemic. And the businesses yeah. that have closed, the indies that have closed are ones that were kind of thinking about retiring yeah. or, you know, coming coming to a close at some point in the near future anyway um so i think that it just shows the resilience of small businesses and how they, they are really fleet of foot and they can adapt um and are just really hard working and just get on and yeah get on with it it's yeah. amazing amazing yeah. tenacity in yeah. that community so yeah and it's been so lovely having in the lockdown the number of people that got in touch and were explicit about wanting to shop with local businesses rather than shopping through amazon so well done those people um yeah and it was so lovely as well I mean obviously we appreciate it from kind of a revenue perspective but also just the gesture in the lockdown when everyone was finding it so tough it was so like occasionally quite emotional like reading lovely messages from people about wanting to support us and how they hoped we'd still be around when we reopened were just the loveliest things to read yeah it makes a difference doesn't yeah it? just that yeah. just that collective support um yeah so many people have gone out of their way to support indies and have seen the real the benefits and the value of of how much indies give to our communities and our high streets and our neighborhoods um yeah it's been amazing so if people want to come and visit you just remind us where you are on the high street so we are like i said just if you come from core market let's say away from town and you keep going down the high street before you get to Magdalen, you'll hit some traffic lights and we're there basically so just between where merton street and longwall is we go just past exam schools with that little cluster of shops. Perfect. Yeah. And if people want to admire and maybe buy some things from your awesome website. <laughs> yes, please do. Please compliment me on the website. Um, slash don't. But um, do also bear in mind that if it's not on the website, there's a reasonable chance that we might well have it in stock. So if you don't see what you're looking for, do reach out. So the website uh, is Hoyles, so H-O-Y-L-E-S, HoylesOxford.com. And if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch with us at info at HoylesOxford.com. Perfect. And yeah. you're on Instagram, Facebook? We are. We have been on Instagram for the last few months. We've got a lovely Kickstarter, Erin, who is leading the social media charge because I would be terrible at it. Uh, so, yeah, you can also find us at, on Instagram. And I think we're Hoyles underscore of underscore Oxford. 
Amazing. Brilliant. Well, so lovely to chat to you, Emily. Yeah, Thank you so much for me. joining me today. Uh, see you soon. Thanks. You've been listening to the Infinite Oxford podcast, sponsored by Story94. You can find out more about our community at independentoxford.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe to help more people hear indie stories from across Oxfordshire. Bye for now.